I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's nothing to investigate unless you have evidence. I'm trying to get to the truth. Hello and welcome to Hooked on Redemption with me, Gordon Hayden. Very shortly, we'll be delving into episode 5. But first, let me tell you about this week's special guest, Louise Kiley. Louise is, without doubt, Ireland's premier casting director. She has one of the most enviable CVs on IMDb. She is the casting supremo here in this country. She's behind the likes of Conversations with Friends, Normal People, Dublin Old School, A Date for Mad Mary, along with Disney's up-and-coming Disenchanted. And she was involved with some of the casting on the Avatar sequel. And that's just to name but a few of the films and television programmes that she has worked on. So really looking forward to chatting to Louise Kiley at her cast associate Adam Doyle all about their work on redemption but first it's our deep dive into episode 5 with Serena Blissmo here are some of the standout moments from this week's episode you can't just take the kids without telling me Stacey's not here anymore and I have to do what I think is right Stacey had called the women's crisis centre she was afraid of Owen I need you to stop seeing Ross get the fuck out of my room what do you know about Stacey Lockley I recognise her that's Owen Maloney's new girlfriend you may find her but well, we are now down to the second last episode of Redemption. Joining me, as always, is Serena Bellissimo to dissect this installment. We're getting to the finish line now, Serena. So a lot of stuff is coming out in the wash. But there's still an awful lot of family drama in the meantime, because good old Niall, who's played by Ian Lloyd Anderson, who we had on the podcast last week, he's obviously making a very concerted effort to be with the kids and we might people might remember in last week's episode, he shows up at the doorstep. The kids are delighted to see him. Colette obviously isn't because she feels like, oh, hang on a second here. You pretty much doorstepped us here. This is not what I, I wanted. You know, you need to kind of back off a little bit. I'm their guardian. So how do you think this is played out? Because the kids, they're they're kind of a little bit. There's a bit of an imbalance there, isn't there, Serena? Cara's overjoyed, but Liam, he's very sceptical of his father. Yeah, Cara, you know, it comes out at the very end that Cara says to Liam, Liam, you know what? We've lost our mum. I don't want to lose my dad too. I'm I'm so paraphrasing there. But basically she's clinging to her dad because that's the last parental figure she has in her life. But she is clinging big time. There's no questions asked. Whereas Liam, you know, at the beginning he was like, yay, dad's here. And then things started coming out in the wash. He admitted to them that, you know, he had been in jail. Um, Liam keeps asking questions of him. Like um, Cara just keeps taking it at face value. But like Liam's like, so you've been here for a few weeks now and you didn't think to come and see us, yet you've started up a relationship with mum's best friend. That's another thing that's sort of, you know, thrown, thrown into the mix. I am, It was very Niall heavy, this episode, mm. and I have a feeling what's going to come out is that Niall is, here we go, one of my theories again, I have a feeling that Niall is using all of them to get the information that he wants from Stacey. 
that he never got before because this prison sentence doesn't make any sense. He didn't go to jail first time for hitting someone in a pub. That's not why he was in jail. Do you not think it's a red herring though, Serena? Do you, not, Do you think? Maybe he has genuinely got their best intentions there and it's somebody, because this is the thing about this show, everything, even our crime of the week, There's, I know we kind of keep looking at certain ones, like even when the jewellery shop was, um, there was that insurance scam. We were kind of going, yep. I wonder, has Niall Maloney got something to do with this? So do you think maybe we as an audience have, have almost been manipulated into thinking that every little facet, there's more going on than what genuinely might be a, a guy who wants his own level of redemption? Yeah, no, I doubt it. <laughs> I really do. He just... He just seems too dodgy in the way he's going about it as well. Like, you know, he just turns up at Colette's doorstep. He's, you know, Colette's put in this rule that uh, Cara is not allowed to see Ross and he's overruled that. He went out to dinner with, you know, the kids and their boyfriends. And I just think, you know, getting close to Stacey's um, best girlfriend, you know, now it's his actual girlfriend trying to get into the house. I don't know. I just think there's more going on there than then we really know. Well, the thing that we've definitely seen with Niall, he's been he's far more assertive in this episode than we saw in the last one. Because remember, Colette showed up at his workplace in the call yep. centre. And then we learn in this episode that he's, he's jacked his job in now because he really wants to be there for the kids like he hasn't been before. But he also lays the law down a couple of times. Like it's almost as if to let Colette know, hang on a second here, the power has really shifted. You're not the one now who's calling the orders. And he very much lays the law down a couple of times at the doorway. He kind of lets her know, hang on a second here, you're not dictating. And then again, when Debbie shows up toward the latter half of the episode, he lets it be known again. So it's going to be a very interesting dynamic, but you kind of wonder which one is going to heal. And I don't mean like heal as in like someone needs to kind of heal in it as in H-E-A-L in a way, yeah. or like who's going to back down? Because yeah. they're both very alpha-like figures. Because it was really interesting this episode as well, because anytime there was mention of Niall, even if we saw Niall, the solicitor was involved. This episode, we didn't see the solicitor at all. Yeah. He's just taking matters into his own hands. And he even said, you know, the kids are old enough. Let them decide. And one of the things is, though, that Liam is very much on the fence about yeah. Niall. He's still, oh, I don't know about him. Where is Cara? But then again, Cara's a very impressionable young girl. We see that with Ross. We see that she's still even blinkered about her dad, whereas Liam's a little bit more, no, hang on a second here. This man's like cheese. There's an awful lot of holes here. And the fact that he's now having a relationship with our mother's best friend, he goes, is that not weird? But we'll come back to all of that, Serena, because there's so much going on. Serena, can I just move on to the phone and the message that uh, Colette plays? Because just a quick reminder, she listens to an old message that Stacey had left Liam and it's a kind of a a message that there's almost a warning there there was and it was funny because so a couple of it was either last episode or the episode before Liam finally opened up to Colette and said I haven't told you anything everything mum left this message on my phone the last message I got from mum was to look out for Cara and that's what we heard in the the previous episode but in this episode the point that she kept going back to because she listened to the whole message and then she went back to one um small point and that's when Stacy was saying I need to sort something out what was she trying to sort out did Stacy know that this was going to be her final day but not because she was going to have something to do with it but because Owen was going to catch up with her 
where we learned so much about what was going on behind the scenes with Stacy in yeah. this episode because Colette is trying to trace the phone calls because she's gotten one of tra- one of Stacy's old bills. And she's going through number by number by number. And one of the numbers that she happens to ring, it's a center for women who have been in horrendous situations yeah. like domestic violence. And it turns out that Stacy was preparing, if you're reading between the lines, to leave Owen. And yeah. that she was very worried about her own safety. And she was due to actually call into this women's center the following day after yeah. making the call. But of course, she never showed up. And so we ascertained that she obviously died the night before. Yeah, there were there are a lot of things going on. And, you know, Stacey's case isn't as clear cut as the guards have made out to be. So um, while she was going through that, so we saw the fact that she was phoning the Women's Crisis Centre. There was Debbie's number. And then, Gordon, there was this mysterious number. And the first time she called it, all we heard were noises in the background. And I thought those noises were possibly, you know, a factory or a loading dock. It sounded something like that. And then I'm just going to fast forward to almost the end of the episode where she goes looking for Ross at his pub. And Ross conveniently isn't there. He's given his um, landlord, uh, his boss an excuse. And she hears the same noise in the background. It's coming from one of those 80s, 90s pinball machines. And then she puts two and two together. And she's like, mm. so he goes, she goes to see Ross at his house. And that was a really interesting encounter because um, Maloney appeared a couple of times mm. during this episode. And when she went and she was staking out Ross's house, you see Ross get into an altercation with Maloney. Mm. Things were getting really serious there. We'll talk about that in a sec. Let's get back to the phone because while she, she watched this, it played out and then she decided to call the number. She calls the number and who, who answers it? Ross. So what he's, is his involvement? She was right. He is somehow linked to Maloney, which means, as we've been saying all along, was it not Stacy who was linked to Maloney from the very beginning? Is it, in fact, Cara, mm. who is at the centre of all of this? Oh, you've said it from very early on, Serena, yeah. and it does look like it's all pointing that way. Now, you mentioned as well about Maloney showing up like he had a habit of showing up like our crime of the week uh, yes. this week is about this uh, transport lorry. It's full of pharmaceuticals. The driver very bravely fought off two of the assailants. One of them ran away and the other fella, he walloped him over the head and uh, he's been carted off to good old St. Peter's, the hospital in question where Stacey used to work. And do you know what? On a complete side note, the driver in question, I was looking at him going, where have I seen that fella before? Where he's he? in the lotto ad. Do you know the fella? He's won the lotto and it's like an inner city Dublin uh, yes. block of flats and he's yes. there and they've got the, the, you've got the, the big slide. slides going yes. down through his apartment. That's the fella who um, is the driver. Just in that case was, anyone's wondering, I haven't ever seen him before. That was driving me nuts. So thank you. I love that you were able to put two and two together. Whoever you are, <laughs> I'm not sure of your name because I uh, <laughs> must look that up and, and find more details about that. But there you go. It's the fella from the lotto ad. But, you know, um, it's so funny because usually with the crime of the week, we try really hard in every episode to link it back to Maloney. We didn't have to try in this episode, Gordon, because they told us straight out that this, in fact, was linked to Maloney. Totally. And then here's the other thing I now. I thought it was this, with with the greatest respect to everyone involved, felt a little bit on the contrived side where he shows up at the scene. Yeah. Like who, what criminal just 
kind of shows up at the scene. Like all he was short of was wearing was some sort of great show mark glasses and a and a faulty nose. I was there going, why would you show up at the scene? <laughs> because I think what that did for us was to show us how desperate Maloney is. Because now we know he's in trouble with his bosses. Hmm. So he needed this this um, robbery to go well. So he doesn't get into trouble with his bosses. So I think this is where he is starting to make the mistakes. Because I thought the same. It was like, why is he here? And then, you know, he caught Colette's eyes and then they both ran off in different directions and stuff. And then even at the end of the episode when he was with Ross, he just looked desperate. That's very well well done, Serena. You're so right. That now makes total sense. Yeah. And we also, so we're jumping all over the place here, but they're all linked, I promise. Um, we also came into contact with Orla, Owen Maloney's new girlfriend. And that was that was a really gruesome encounter because Colette ended up, how did she end up there again, Gordon? She ended up there. Oh, yeah, it was good old Siobhan. Um, That's Siobhan it. had done a bit of digging and yeah. it turns out that um, she had managed to link Orla Quinn to the truck in question because she was she worked for the pharmaceutical company in question. So she would have been in, involved in the transportation of this vehicle. So they went to visit her. And then lo and behold, it, that's when they have the encounter. And the and Orla opens up about O'Maloney because Colette brings his name up and she's clearly in a, in a terrible, terrible state. Yeah. And she reveals how O'Maloney had beaten her up. And she was bruised. Her totally face was bruised, bruised. In a really yep. bad situation. And then she also mentions about a girl by the name of Stacy had shown up to warn her off O'Maloney and how she thought, oh, she's nothing but a crazy ex. What yeah. does she know? And of course, when Colette hears Stacy, and then again, this is all ramming at home that Oh Maloney, he's he's using these women, he's manipulating these women in order to get these type of pharmaceuticals completely. But something has gone wrong, and this comes back to his desperation as well, because she was saying he was hitting me and he was going crazy, and he kept screaming. Um, he's scared that the Donnellys will kill him if things don't go right. So something is going on. Next week, there is going to be the big finale we've been waiting for. Hopefully, we're not left with any questions and we get all the answers we need. Just before we go, Serena, what are your predictions? One of the big things we've just flagged in our chat this week is that Cara is really the one who's responsible for the drugs that went missing from Stacey's job. Of course, the fact that she goes out with Ross, he's now linked to Maloney, would give you cause for thinking that. But we'll see if that plays out. But what other areas do you think now might come out in the wash? I think there's going to be a massive um, chase fight action scene involved with Maloney because he's even though he is the, the main character throughout this whole thing, he has been very subdued. Mm-hmm. I wonder if next week will all her relationships that Colette has managed to forge, will they, or f- not forge, form, will they actually help her put the nail in the coffin of this case. Because even this week we saw her getting very close to Patrick. Mm. They shared their life stories. They were talking about tattoos and stuff. All of this has to be happening to maybe, uh, I think, to set that up for the grand finale when people are still not going to believe Colette. Like the sergeant wasn't in it at all this week. No. But I'm, I'm sure she's still not believing her and I'm sure this is when her allies will come together, Siobhan and Patrick, and there'll be a big explosive scene. And I think Owen is either going to die or has to get caught. Kara, something's going to be found out about Kara. 
And I think we'll find out something about Niall as well. And Liam is going to be left distraught. Here's my two big predictions for you, right? And and I'll leave you on this. I think Ross will be used as bait for Maloney. And I (gasps) wonder, because the show is called Redemption, will Ross's redemption be the fact that he wants to turn a new leaf and try and get away from someone like Maloney and do right by Cara after putting her in a horrendous situation because he truly does love her. Because remember, they've always been fighting with each other. But can he finally prove how much he loves her by doing the right thing? So be intrigued to see if that happens. And if there is to be a cliffhanger on this, I wonder, will it be not so necessarily Maloney, but if we go back to Niall, will will (sighs) we be left with wondering where the children will go to Niall or will they stay with Colette? So there I, we go. There my can, two. Can I can I change my mind? I totally agree because I think we have made we have been made to really feel for Ross mm-hmm. instead of thinking thinking of him as a scumbag. We are actually feeling sorry for him for him. And when he was having that altercation with Maloney, you could see in his face he wanted nothing to do with it. So yeah, can I just I'm just gonna piggyback on your on your predictions and I'm just gonna throw Kara in there. Let's go, Cara. Well, listen, Serena, time has caught up with us. But listen, thank you so much for our deep dive into episode five. Next week is the last episode. It'll be intriguing to see how it all plays out. But until then, Serena Bellissimo, a pleasure as always. Thanks, Gordon. I don't think Stacey killed herself. I think Owen Maloney had something to do with it. That's Cara. I will make your life a living hell. Perhaps you can tell me in what circumstances it is appropriate for an officer to threaten a member of the public. None. I won't make any excuses, Sergeant. Pam left me a voice message. She asked me to look after Kara. You're dealing for him again, Kara. Stop. It's just this one time, okay? I promise. You were in prison for two years. Well, I'm here for them now. Stacy made me their guardian, not you. You think you should get custody? If you go near her again, you'll be sorry. Do you understand? <laughs> Well, now on the podcast, I am delighted to be joined by the people that are responsible for those that are in front of the camera. It is a delight now to welcome along Louise Kylie and Adam Doyle. Thank you so much for your time today. Louise, you are so in demand. I'm just looking at your IMDb. Like, it just goes on and on and on. Like, I'm just looking at all the, the credits, like Avatar, the second Avatar, child casting involved in that, Disenchanted. And Adam, I'm really intrigued to hear your way into the business as well. How does one become casting director, casting associate? Louise, if I start with you, you were an actress at one stage, so you've got a good idea of what's required in front of the camera. But when you're reading that script, how did you find your way in as a matter of interest? So um, that's a good question. I was an actor for a very short period of time and I was in an agency called Castaway Actors Agency and they are a cooperative agency. So all the actors represent themselves and each other. So a friend and I were working one day in the office and we just said to each other, I think in fact she said to me, I quite like to be a casting director. And I was like, me too. Not that we knew exactly what it was in any shape or form, but we uh, just decided to be casting directors. And we luckily got our first job really quickly. And then she went off and continued her acting career. And that was 2005. 
So sort of jumped in, feet first, asked advice of people on the way, followed my instinct and hope for the best. Are you starting primarily with short films as a way to sort of develop the experience that's necessary? Yeah, I mean, it's like any job, isn't it? When you start and you're working for yourself, um, you take the jobs which are on offer to you. And that means a lot of people taking a bit of a risk or just being kind about um, you know, coming to you rather than, or maybe somebody's not available. And then at the same time, you know, I was doing a bit of other sort of acting work and clowning work and a bit of waitressing and all that kind of stuff for the first year to to get it off the ground. It's an incredible success story, Louise, really and truly. Like, I mean, it goes without saying, like, you are the numero uno in this country. And Adam, how do you then align yourself with Louise? Are you like pestering her for like a, a job? or how do you, Because, you know, in terms of, you know, if you go to LinkedIn or Indeed or something like that, you don't see um, necessarily casting jobs going. So networking is obviously vitally important. And I think for those that are listening in, intrigued about ways into the business, again, similar to Louise, like, how did you find your way into it? Me and Louise go way back. I had just finished a communications degree at DCU and was kind of like searching for what the next thing was going to be. Um, and me and Lou hung out and we had like the biggest chat about like, who'd be perfect for this or who'd be perfect for that. And maybe I could be good at that. So I kind of, I sent Louise an email and she was kind of like, yeah, well, we can try you out on this. And it was redemption. So the redemption was the first thing I worked on. I think Louise knew that I like a strong female lead, you know, <laughs> so it was kind of the perfect first foray into it. Well, I have to say the casting of Paula Malcolmson is inspired. How does that work, Louise? Paula, wonderful Northern actress, but to go, you know, she's definitely the, the person for Colette because you would imagine there are so many that would be up for a role like that. But what kind of made you hone in there? That's a good question. Um I think coming from a sort of creative background and having an imagination as I really feel like you need in this job um, and also a real interest in film and television the way I would or definitely Adam does, just basically in practical terms, put together a shortlist. But the shortlist has to be made up of really strong actors who have and carry and feel like the character or who might sort of embody the character in the right way. Um, so it's instinctual as well as being incredibly practical. And we did that. We put together a shortlist and, um, you know, after much chat with the director and the producers, obviously John Hayes and John Wallace, uh, we came to the collective opinion that, you know, Paula would be really amazing in the role. Um, obviously, we both knew her work um, from years back, whether that's kind of Deadwood or, you know, lots of big American telly. And, um, and for her to come to Ireland to play, she was in a film that I did a few years ago called The Cured, and she had a part in that. And, and to have her here felt really very, very special. And um, and then, yeah, it was just a case of actually going out to her and offering and being really excited when she uh, said yes. Now, that's interesting when you go out then. So what's that process like then as a matter of interest? Contracts there and then or is it very much going like we see you as this character and kind of talking her through it? What aspect do you mind me? Again, this I know the part of the phase, but again, try to make sure that she's available. What's that like, Adam? You know, this is the person you want. And then trying to hook them in, essentially. The main hook is 
sending the person the material because I know that when Louise gave me the scripts to read, I was just instantly like obsessed with all the characters. And like you just build this this whole world in your head and then it's your job to kind of create it with these actors. When you're sending the scripts to your choice, you're kind of banking on the scripts, hooking them the way that it hooked you. So that's the kind of initial, the initial thing. You send the material and you hear what they have to say about it. I mean, if it, if it connected with them. And I think the character of Colette, she's such a good character because she's like so strong, but also she hides this like weakness, but it's not weakness, but she hides this kind of like, like vulnerability. Um, so yeah, I, and it, it did connect with her, <laughs> thankfully. Absolutely. You know, really true. And what, what are those meetings like, Louise, just for me, for, for yourself then? Because, you know, like this is, this is the, it's all going to really rest on her shoulders. It's a really, really big role. She's got a lot to do here. It's like two sides of the coin. Like, you know, one side, revered police detective. The other side, her family life is in free fall. So, you know, there's a lot of heavy lifting required here. Do you need to talk through all that aspect uh, with an actor in question? So uh, basically, uh, going, we take it to the point where, you know, the network and the studio and the broadcasters are happy. Um, we go out to the actor. And then what we generally do is we sort of invite the actor to meet with the director and the producer generally so that they can sort of engage with each other so that the actor can ask all the questions that they have and the director can tell them how they feel it's going to look how it's going to the shape of the story what the project you know from the ground up they're going to actually kind of get in there and chat and once that chat has happened then I feel like everybody is happy that we can then take it um, sort of to, you know, the kind of the next stage or whatever. So it's very much about connecting the creatives with the actor and making sure that everybody is on the same page. You guys have done such sterling work all around. Like when you do see it, uh, you, you, you see Mo and then you see Ian Lloyd Anderson. I was like, perfect. Just after. And then Abby Fitz, what a star she is. Some of the heavy lifting she has to do, some emotional scenes. You just look at her and go, she is a star in the making. She really, really is. Can I talk to you about Abby, Adam, because she hasn't done an awful lot of work. You know what I mean? Bearing what I think that like the seller, obviously, you know, has, has given her an awful lot of prominence and it's great now that she has redemption. So soon after the release of Brenda Muldowney's film. So again, Abby, how does she come onto your radar? Louise would be better on the, on the radar. I guess for me, because it was my first gig, I was very much kind of like part of the, the auditions and the like I saw all of the auditions and Abby's auditions were incredible. Like the girl can cry on cue. <laughs> it's it's really, really intense. Um and I guess both of the teenage actors in the show have such a big job because they have to be both <laughs> really like angsty. Mm-hmm. But we also have to care about their safety and care about like their relationship with Colette. So, yeah, I think Abby, like, proved that she was incredibly capable in her auditions. Yeah, that's true. With the radar, Louise. Yeah, yeah. But in radar (laughs) terms, I mean, we've known her since she was very, very young. Like, that is the benefit of having been doing it for quite some time because all these people are now adults. Uh, So, yeah, we've known her for years and years and years. The industry is 
it's great to see it is so, so busy at the moment. My God, like the amount of studio space that's been booked and again, big productions come along. But again, if I go back to your IMDb and I mentioned it there at the top, Avatar 2, that seems like a, a strange one, you know, in terms of the, ch- I probably can't say very much now, <laughs> Louise, but in terms of the, the, the child casting aspect of that, that's been shot in New Zealand. Like I would have thought that it might have been, they might have been going down that neck of the woods in terms of looking for particular cast members. Do you mind me asking how that particular project came your way? Yeah, I love those ones. Um, so basically what happens is it's a very cool process, in my opinion, and it's a real like love of casting thing. And um, what happens in those big, huge films like that, where they're going to do a worldwide search, is that there is a casting director um, who is the head casting director of the movie, or in this case, the series of films, right? So... Um, and Margie Simkin is the casting director of Avatar and she um, put out a call around the world and she basically sort of with her team, she um, she sort of uh, approached casting directors in various territories. So we were lucky that she came to us and she has subsequently become quite a good friend. And she um, she asked us to search for uh, a character in Avatar who obviously was a child um, and this was a few years ago so we kind of look at it as a sort of a worldwide team we become part of and I find that really fascinating because it means that we get to see how other casting directors work and also how we're doing as in you know you might be able to watch auditions of somebody who's you know, um, in Hong Kong or somebody who's of an audition in West Coast America or in Australia or New Zealand for that matter. And at the end of the day, you know, talent just pops out, doesn't it, wherever it's from. So uh, I, yeah, genuinely Friday evenings, that's how how excited I was about that, that I'd be watching casting tapes (laughs) from around the world going, my goodness, this is so interesting. Yeah, so I love being part of those teams. Well, listen, thank you so much, both of you, for sharing your knowledge, for being so open about the process. And I really hope people really get a real sense of what you guys do and and the importance of it. Thank you so much for your time. Did your mom ever mention me? Sometimes, yeah. She said you threw her out of home when she was 17. I looked for her for years. She didn't want to be found. So you just gave up on her? I tried everything. She just disappeared. And it was great to have Louise Kiley and our casting associate, Adam Doyle, as our special guests on this week's show. The podcast was presented and produced by me, Gordon Hayden. A special thanks, as always, to Tall Story Pictures, Metropolitan Films and Virgin Media Television. Only one more episode to go. It'll be interesting to find out if any of our theories come true. So until then, we'll catch you on the next Hooked On Redemption. There's nothing to investigate unless you have evidence. You are too close to this. You know you are. I'm trying to get to the truth. Stacy made me their guardian. They're my kids. I can't begin to imagine how hard this is for you. What's going to happen to us? We're family. I'm not going to leave you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 